Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And a good Thursday morning, Birds fans. This is Birds 365. Oh, we're here 365. We're not kidding when we say 365. All right, we're not here on the weekends, but you get the point. All birds, all the time, and we actually have football to talk about. And when I say that, we talk about football every day here on Birds 365, but actual the ability to watch and evaluate players on a field who will be playing for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. John McDonald, along with Jeff Kerr today, he's filling in for John McMullen because J-Mac's got to get down to Eagle practice day two. He's going to join us first, coming up in about 20 minutes from now, but uh, he will then get down to practice day two for the birds. Day one is in the books. Jeff Kerr, were you overwhelmed? Were you knocked over with excitement that the Philadelphia 2021 season is underway? I was fired up and you know, just covering the NFL, it was a very interesting day around the league. And Philadelphia had an interesting day in and of itself. I did not expect Howie Roseman to be pretty much speaking with Nick Sirianni on day one. I thought that was kind of a surprise and a well-deserved treat for us. Yes, both Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman made available to the media said some very interesting things. Uh, we'll certainly analyze that for you. But they also... Had practice. They actually got out there on the field and ran some plays and were able to judge some of the Eagle fans. Bunch of players missing, some injuries early on, a couple of COVID guys. And I know this had to pay Nick Sirianni. He had to actually tip his hand as to individuals that he saw as potential starters for the Philadelphia Eagles. Because even in yesterday's media session, Jeff, he still doesn't want to name his starting quarterback. He refuses to name his starting quarterback. He pretty much tipped his hand, and we've been saying this all offseason. It's going to be Jalen Hurts, but uh, I, I'm not sure that Nick Sirianni isn't going a little overboard with this whole competition thing. Yeah, we wanted to take the reins, and then when you get asked, oh, is Joe Flacco going to get reps with the ones? Nick Sirianni didn't say it, but he said it. Not really. So it's Jalen Hurts' job, and we all know that. And, you know, it, I guess wanting him to take the reins, at least from my vantage point, we want to make sure we don't have to trade for somebody. And Jalen Hurts can prove that over these next couple of weeks. And if they trade for somebody, I don't think it's going to be immediate. Uh, they did ask Jalen Hurts when he spoke to the media about uh, the chatter about Deshaun Watson. He said, what chatter? Uh, no, don't kid yourself. Jalen knows exactly what chatter we're referring to, but he's not going to let that affect that he is a very focused individual, which is a, a good thing. I don't know if he had the greatest first day of practice, but that's okay. It's just the first day of practice. 
here, here was the one thing that uh, bothered me yesterday. It was good to see the guys back out there on the field. Uh, Zach Ertz is a blonde. Never saw that one coming, but that's okay. We'll get into that. Um, the fact that when he was asked about starting quarterback and ones, uh, Nick Sirianni, with all his enthusiasm, still very much in place, which is what Nick Sirianni is going to be known for, apparently all his enthusiasm, did say, well, we've got Atlanta week one. So he went all the way to week one of the season, meaning I'm not going to name a starter until we get there to week number one. Well, no, he's not. The Eagles play three preseason games. Everybody plays three preseason games except the Cowboys and the Steelers because they'll play in the Hall of Fame game, uh, so they get one extra one in. Someone is going to have to start the first preseason game, right, Jeff? Somebody, somebody's going to get the nod at quarterback for the first preseason game? Yeah, it's going to be the quarterback whose jersey is, ironically, number is one. So one. that that's Jalen Hurts. Um, change, change from number one to number two. And then they're going to play a second preseason game. Whoever starts that second preseason game is your starter. There, there's no way around it. There's no re- Unless Joe Flacco starts the second preseason game, which I highly doubt, then he can push this charade of it's an open competition to the third preseason game. You, you've been covering the league for a while. Um, first three games, the starters usually start. The fourth game, the backup plays specifically at a very important position like quarterback. He's probably not going to play at all. You're going to try and get all your work in for the first three preseason ga- season game, and then you're going to put him in multiple for the fourth one. I assume now with three preseason games, the starters are just going to play the first two. Now, how much they play in the third could be debated. We're going to have to see how that plays out this year now that we've shrunk the preseason down to three games. But whoever starts the first two preseason games, and I'm assuming it's going to be the same individual, that's your starter for the season, is it not? No, it is. And from what basically I'm gathering over these three preseason games now is you're going to see the starters play more in the first preseason game. It ain't going to be the cup of coffee, one or two possessions. And then the second game will be like the third preseason game where you kind of get them ready for game reps. And then the starters get like a three, four week break. Now, not every team's going to do that. Obviously I'm still wondering what the Los Angeles Rams are going to do. Cause they never play stars in the preseason. Same with the new Orleans saints. But if you go by what the Indianapolis Colts have done under Frank Reich, it's the, he kind of used the Doug Pearson mold, okay? You know, a cup of coffee, first first couple series, first preseason game, and then you just kind of build them into it. So if they follow that mold here with Sirianni, it's, you're going to see a lot of the stars that second preseason game, and then you might not see anybody that third preseason game. Maybe a couple guys here or there, like a Josh Sweat or someone like that, again, some reps, maybe more Jannard Avery at linebacker. But overall, you're not going to see – Jalen Hurts in that third preseason game. And we're we're just going to assume here because the Eagles have said it, he's the starter without actually saying it. Neither neither you nor I were there yesterday. We'll have John McMullen joining us in uh, less than 15 minutes because uh, he was down there at camp and will be again today and will be our eyes and our ears. At least from what I read from most people's reports, Jalen Hurts didn't have the best first day. Uh, had some incomplete passes. Had some passes defended on him. A couple of the defensive linemen got to him and moved him off the spot a little bit. So I would say the defense got the better of the offense in game number in day number one of practice. But that's what I took from it. Again, having not seen the video, um, that it was the defense ahead of the offense, not necessarily that. Uh oh, Jalen Hurts still looks like Jalen, like he's not ready for a starting assignment 
in the National Football League, even though his percentage numbers, and that was a big concern all offseason, was his percentage completion from last year uh, wasn't great again today. Uh, we can just write it off as day number one, right? Yeah, and I would love to ask John about this, but this was the text I got yesterday. Up and down, but it's day one. So that's how I'm kind of viewing it. It's, okay, this is your first day as the de facto starting quarter quarterback. You're trying to take command of the offense. Get And they did a lot of red zone yesterday, from what I was told. So pretty much what's going to happen is, He's, they're installing some stuff. They're still learning an offense. Uh, I think he had a nice throw in the back corner of the end zone. Uh, John can clarify that for us, that that was a touchdown. But he also got picked off yesterday, too, uh, the play before that. So he's learning stuff. And, yeah, from what I was told, um, Devonta Smith thought – and actually, he said this yesterday. He didn't think he had the best day, uh, Devonta Smith. And he was learning from Darius Slate, which I love that. I love a player who – wants to be great and talks about great players. And Devonta Smith, from when I talked to him before the draft, he said, I'm placing high expectations upon myself. I feel like I can be this elite player. And I love that he's talking to a Darius like a Steven Nelson, guys who have been around the league before and have a lot of success and figure out, hey, what do I got to do to beat you so I can beat NFL corners on Sunday? Here's what I liked about the Eagles yesterday and the key guys, and you're right, Hurts and Devonta Smith are as key as it comes for the Philadelphia Eagles, even though, again, it's practice. We can only tell you what we heard, what we saw, what was told to us about practice yesterday, and it wasn't great for either Hurts or Devonta Smith. They both talked to the media thereafter, and I like what they had to say. The fact that Jalen was not shaken at all by only an okay day one at best. The fact that Devonta Smith dropped a couple of balls when uh, he is known as a guy who, if it's anywhere near him, it's going to be caught because he doesn't drop balls. He actually dropped a couple of balls yesterday. They both faced up to it. They both said, yeah, we weren't at our best today. But again, it's day one of a somewhat lengthy preseason into a very long regular season. If they were already making excuses, if there was some kind of uh, over-the-top explanation as to why it wasn't great the first day out, then that would bother me. But the fact that both of them said they 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 admitted to it, they copped to it, they owned it, but then they said, we're going to move on and we're going to get ready for day number two and three or four and every day thereafter. That kind of uh, gave me good hope for the Eagles on the offense this year. Yeah, and I love Jalen Hurts' press conference. He, he just tackled every question and he even joked about, like, yo, is this all – this what you guys do like is is it just like a free-for-all here and you know, got everybody laugh at that you know gets asked about the vaccine didn't hesitate yes absolutely so you know that was a big deal because the other guy that used to be here sidestepped it so that would have been a big story in philadelphia if he was still here but then you got jalen hurts just saying look i didn't play well yesterday uh i strive to get better every day the lamp is never full uh that was one of his quotes and you know he kind of embraced the nick sirianni uh, attack, you know, attack, replace competition as the word of the day in Nick Sirianni's mind. And, you know, Devonta Smith kind of said that too. Look, I'm never satisfied. I, I want to be great. And, you know, you could tell Devonta Smith, this is what I'd love to, I'm not going to rely on my uh, chemistry with Jalen Hurts to bail me out of stuff. And I, I think Jalen Hurts looked at that the same way. I got to get in touch with a Travis Fulgham. I got to get in touch with, with Jalen Rager, obviously was not really fully practicing yesterday, but you know, you get the gist of that, Jerry. The thing that I thought was maybe the most intriguing, and again, 
day one. We got a lot of practice to get to before we ever get to the regular season and the whole year gets underway. The fact that Zach Ertz was not only there, but Zach Ertz was a complete participant for day number one. Now, uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, all offseason, is Zach Ertz going to be here? Is Zach Ertz going to be traded? Is Zach Ertz going to be cut? Where is Zach Ertz going to land? We well, landed right back where he left, and that's South Philadelphia practicing with the Eagles. All right, with a new do. That's cool. Uh, didn't recognize him. If he didn't have his number on, I never would have known that it was Zach Ertz. But um, it ends up that he is not only still here with the Eagles, but at least by judging his participation in day one. And again, this is something we speculated on all last week. Would he show? Would he just stay in the locker room? Would they say, check, you can now go back to the hotel? They're not actually going to put him out there in fear of injury. Oh, yeah, they did. They put him out there. He practiced. He made catches. He took quasi-hits. There wasn't really any hitting going on uh, yesterday. But he was a full participant in practice. And listening to Howie Roseman afterwards, it made it sound like, oh, Zach Ertz is going to be here, and Zach Ertz is going to play, and Zach Ertz is going to be a key contributor for the Eagles this year. I know some of it can be posturing, but reading between the lines and trying to judge Howie uh, on a – a camera shot, he seemed like he meant it. Do we now have to reevaluate what the Eagles are going to do this upcoming season with Zach Ertz? Yeah, and I'd love to hear what Zach Ertz's thoughts on that. He obviously didn't speak yesterday, but he's sure going to speak in the coming days. But it seems like it's water over the dam or under the bridge how, between the contract negotiations last year. And I think Zach Ertz may have just accepted the fact, look, I'm going to be a free agent at the end of the year. I don't think I'm going anywhere. I'm getting paid really well by this football team to contribute. And in Zach Ertz's mind, I, as long as I'm on the Philadelphia Eagles, I love this city, I love this organization, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to ball for them and I'm playing for my NFL future as well. And I thought this was something, Jody. Uh, you know, Before practice started, I'm you know just checking Twitter and I see Zach Ertz tweeted about the U.S. women's national team. And, you know, they're trying to host the FIFA World Cup in 2026, the men's, the men's World Cup. And they had a thing with Julie Ertz and a couple, I think it was Mayor Kenny, a couple of things. And Zach Ertz had a comment or two on Twitter. And I'm like, okay, he doesn't have to do this. Like, he can just say, forget Philadelphia. Like, I, I, I'm done with this. But no, that was a telling sign to me that, okay, Zach Ertz still cares about this city. He's always going to bleed green, even if he's not here. But to me, before Howie Roseman even spoke, I thought that was a telling sign that, hey, you know what? Zach Ertz may be on this team the entire season. Or it could be that uh, his wife likes Philadelphia and he's just taking his wife's lead. I don't know about you, but I say stuff my wife tells me to say all the time. Uh, so he may have just been uh, doing it because, uh, yes, his, his wife would like to see future games held here. We shall see. No, I, I got much more from what he did on the field. The fact that he seemed like he was – ready to participate, ready to practice, and ready to get ready for the season that he is, and if he can do this, more power to Zach Kurtz. He can put all the other you-know-what out of his mind, that there has been so many conversations and disappointment and no contract extension and speculation by media wonks like you and me. He could absolutely just draw a curtain close and prep for the upcoming season. That's why Zach Kurtz has been as good a player as he has for the years he's been in the league. And how he even said it yesterday, he was embarrassed by last season. We all were embarrassed by last season. And he's got something to prove. And not just to himself, 
But to the Eagles, I, I think last year was just so much to deal with between the COVID situation and all the protocols. And then you want to talk contract and the Eagles basically say, thanks, but no thanks. And, you know, Steve Carrick, his agent is one of the best in the business, especially when it comes to tight ends. He wanted to make sure his client was taken care of. And, you know, Jody, it, it sucks when you want to play somewhere your entire career or you want to be with an organization your whole life, even after you're done football. And they pretty much just say, no, I would be upset too. And then you start to wonder, okay, like what's going to happen to me and what's going to happen to everything going on. And then your quarterback struggling. And then you got to deal with that because you're close with him and just everything just snowballed for him last year. And I just think, I don't want to say he checked out because that's not Zach Ertz's mentality, but I think it was more of, man, the fire just couldn't get put out. And the only way he could get out of it was that week 17 game and the season was over. I've been saying this all offseason. I think Zach Ertz has got uh, stuff left in the tank. He had a uh, less than Zach Ertz type season last year. Some of it because of injury. A lot of it because his quarterback wasn't all that good. And he that was his guy who helped Zach Ertz become what Zach Ertz has become more than anybody else. It's probably Carson Wentz. Uh, there were a bunch of contributing factors as why Zach Ertz had an off year. I wasn't putting on it all on, uh-oh, he's getting old. And he's now uh, heading back down the hill and he's not the player that he once was or he can't compete on a high level anymore. I just didn't believe that. I never believed that. I didn't think the Eagles believed it, but I didn't know if it was that or they wanted to keep his value high around the league because Howie Roseman had an expectation of what he could get in a trade for Zach Ertz. Apparently, that never came up this offseason. I think that's one of the reasons why he's still here. But I think the Eagles held him in pretty high esteem. I don't think how he was lying to us yesterday, that they still think Zach Ertz can play, can play at a high level, make plays, score touchdowns. And yeah, they, they I don't know that they pulled Zach off the trade block, but I don't think they're as motivated. He has to be out of here. We can't have Zach Ertz back as he once was because day one in practice was not that big a deal. And it looks like the Eagles can go forward with two starting level tight ends. That's how they started last year. And I think that's how they're going to start this year as well. And one thing I really liked about what Nick Sirianni said, look, we'll adjust. And, you know, we were talking yesterday with Barrett about, you know, the 11 personnel and they're going to run more three wide receiver sets. And I even said, you know, in my article, 10 things we think we know about the Eagles. Well, Nick Sirianni kind of uh, put the kibosh on a little bit. Hey, you know, we'll run some 12 personnel if we need to, but we're not afraid to run 11 with both tight ends on the field, or we're not afraid to do this with one tight end or the other. And I think this is the competition he's talking about. You know, Zach Ertz knows that Dallas Goddard is no slouch, and Dallas Goddard is a future tight end of the Eagles. And he's looking to kind of, I don't want to say keep him on the bench, but take some snaps away from him. And I think Zach Ertz is good enough to do that. And, you know, I got really tired of hearing about this offseason from media members, from fans. Zach Ertz isn't good anymore. I'm like, he's 30. He's, he's still good. Like, there are a lot of tight ends that you think they're done when they're 30, 31, 32. And what do they do? They come out and they play till they're 38, 39 at a high level. Like, I, I only think this, this guy's even close to being done at this point. And I think that's why you see teams like the Arizona Cardinals that are kind of interested in him or the Buffalo Bills because they know – this is a player that could put them over the top or to where they want to go. 
Well, then the Arizona Cardinals and the Buffalo Bills might very well have already missed out because if they were trying to get him for 40 cents on the dollar, Howie Roseman wasn't selling, they didn't end up buying. And I think Zach Ertz is going to have a good year, be it here in Philadelphia or somewhere else. But if it is somewhere else, I tip my hat to Howie that he held firm on what he thought he should get in exchange for Zach Ertz. And it hasn't happened and it might not happen. All right, he's Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. We your birds 365, guys. This is going to be different coming up next. John McDonald is going to do as a guest here on birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Bird 365, guys. Oh, we got a trio today. Joda McDonald, along with... My co-host, Jeff Kerr, 
joined by our first guest of the day, a familiar face. He's frozen in time. He's ready to uh, break down day one of Eagle practice with us, John McMullen. J-Mac, how was practice day one? It uh, was uh, energetic. Yeah, kind of probably uh, apropos for the Nick Sirianni era. A little bit more active than a typical day one practice in a modern training camp. Are you attacking the day, John? No, no, no. Uh, I, I'm attacking my rest, Jeff. <laughs> Never attack the day. Attack the rest. Yeah, Nick. I think Nick says something in every press conference where people kind of chuckle and hang on to it. And by the way, Howie Roseman chuckles at Nick Sirianni when he does this stuff, uh, when he's up there, which, by the way, that was a surprise. we got to get to that. But, um, you know, he banged the dais again, got fired up. Yeah, he said, right now they're attacking rest. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a trip, but none of that matters. Are you going to – can he coach? Can he not coach? Can he win football games? Can he not win football games? All right, yeah, well, let's attack what you said we should attack. Didn't know, didn't expect, did you have an inkling ahead of time that both Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman would give you guys day one media access, sit down and field questions on whatever you guys wanted to? Is that out of the norm for day one of Eagles training camp as well? Yeah, Howie talking. We got notified during practice that he was going to speak. So it was kind of last minute. And you start... uh, you know, wondering the schedule has Nick Sirianni on it and it'll tell you which coordinators uh, speaking on a particular day. Uh, But for Howie Roseman, yeah, that came up during practice. And I started to think, okay, what, what's he trying to do here? What's he trying to accomplish here? Because he typically doesn't talk after the first day of training camp. And my first thought was he's going to, okay, he's going to shut down, the Deshaun Watson rumors. He didn't do that, though. He didn't do that, which surprised me. And I guess from that standpoint, I guess he wanted to talk about Zach Ertz uh, because it seems as if it's more likely from all the talk, and you know how how much we've talked about that, Jody. Um, Yeah, he says he's going to be here more likely than not than week one. We'll see. I still think he might be playing the game of chicken, but – if he's here, he's here, and uh, it's going to be interesting because it's got to change the offensive philosophy. I've talked about that a lot. He's he's just better than any of the third receivers you could potentially project, so that's going to have to shift the offensive thinking a little bit. John, when Howie was talking to Zach Ertz yesterday, it was, what, a good 10, 15 minutes? Like, what do you think those two were conjugating about before he came to the podium? Howie's very savvy. He probably wants that visual, uh, probably wants to show people that, hey, we're not at each other's throats, uh, which they never were. I, I, I'm not the uh, only one to report that dust up uh, wasn't about his contract. It was originally kind of uh, framed that way. It was about uh, training uh, problems, training methods. Uh, the Eagles wanted Zach more under when he was injured or more in the facility working out with the team trainers. He wanted to do some individual stuff. Um, that was what that was about. Uh, so I think he, he's very uh, 
PR savvy, and I think he was trying to get what he got, and that was a a a photo op, so to speak. Of oh, they don't hate each other, something like that. I one of the things I was trying to understand yesterday, the coach was talking about John. Maybe you can better explain it. Uh, we talk about it all the time here in the show about twelve personnel. And to me, twelve personnel just means two tight ends on a field. Is twelve personnel two tight ends tight to the line? Because I think at one point Sirianni said we could play two tight ends in 11 personnel. So they're just going to split Zach Ertz out and pretend that he's a wide receiver? Yeah, there's going to need to be adjusting to this offense. And I'm not uh, completely unsure exactly what that adjusting is going to look like. No, you're right, Jody. Uh, And and personnel groupings are kind of uh, goofy in that matter. Yeah, 12 personnel means two tight ends are on the field. It doesn't mean they're in line. You can, If there's two tight ends on the field, uh, they're, they're labeled as tight ends. It's just a labeling system. So he could be playing on a particular play, and maybe the best example of this will be, you know, Pitts, when he gets going with the Falcons, is, you know, okay, you're going to label him a tight end, but he's really an X receiver or flex receiver or wherever he's going to be playing. So it is uh, overrated when people talk about personnel groupings because you use guys in a different way. Uh, They're using, they had this uh, 21 speed formation that he mentioned. Everybody got uh, onto that with two running backs on the field, Miles Sanders and, and Kenny Gainwell. And, you know, okay, it starts there and maybe Gainwell splits out in motion and is playing receiver. So it is just a labeling system um, to tell you what kind of personnel is on the field. Coaches use it basically just to try to match up better. So a defensive coach understands there's two running backs on the field. Um, You know, you have that extra running thread if they try to throw a bubble screen or something like that. You're trying to make your defense aware. But, uh, yeah, I mean – if your tight end is a better receiver than your third receiver, who cares what the label is? And so Nick is right in that aspect of it. John, everybody wants to talk about Jalen Hurts going 5 of 14 or 5 of 15 or whatever he was yesterday. But from your vantage point, did you see Jalen Hurts improve as the practice session was going? I, I mean, it's day one. I'm not going to kill him. 5 of 15 is bad. That's how I had it. I saw 5 of 14. I, I But what does it matter? 5 of 14, 5 of 15. I, I will say there's a couple contextual points to that. One, they were doing everything in the red zone. Uh, so everything is close quarters. Everything is tight. It becomes more difficult to throw the ball into tight spaces. And they did that. And I asked Nick, I said, why so much red zone on day one? And he said it's the recommendation of the, the trainers and the medical staff. They don't want guys, you know, airing out, running 60 yards and getting soft tissue injuries on day one. So they kept everything in close quarters, close quarters, which makes some sense if you think about it. Uh, but that makes it more difficult for the offense. Like my game ball of the day went to Darius Slay, who completely, and I mean completely, shut down Devontae Smith. Just Locked him down, was welcome to the NFL moment, but it's all he doesn't have to worry about him going by him. He doesn't have to worry about space on the field. Everything is, and he's a savvy, savvy player who's been around for a long time. So he knows how to use the back in the end zone. He knows how to use the sidelines, especially against a young receiver. 
So if you're looking at one day, you say, wow, Darius Slade looks like the best corner in football. Devontae Smith isn't what he's cracked up to be. But you got to add that context into it. And, you know, when they get to a more normal practice setting, it's going to be more difficult to handle a player like Devontae Smith. And that day we're probably going to be talking about him beating up on, on Darius Slade. That's sort of how training camp goes. All right. So if uh, everything they ran today was 10 yards in, 15 yards in, practice day two what are you gonna do back up to the 25 give him a little <laughs> bit more leeway so we can see if some of these offensive weapons work put a little bit more of a test to the defensive players that the coach didn't fill you in on the progression of using the entire field did he no he didn't it is interesting though because they do give more power these days to the the medical staffs and the and the training staffs and you know the coaches kind of have to listen to their um recommendations on 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 what guys can do what guys can't do it's just a different time and you got to get used to it and I thought by the way it was a real positive step uh for Nick Sirianni as a coach because okay he's put under these limitations and so he got work in what you know the best way he could get work in because it, it was really more competitive and that's his word um, than a typical day one NFL training camp practice. He got a lot of good work in in what was essentially 75 minutes with, you know, 25, 30 yards of the field. I, I thought it was a positive sign that he adapted and was able to take advantage of the limitations to get some good work in. Now, John, we get John Vigan speaking today. And one thing I wanted to touch up on was Fletcher Cox saying they were doing like a 3-4 zone and he was kind of in the middle there. Do you want to further explain that? Yeah, I mean, there were a couple times where you saw sort of a 3-4 a sort of, I, I don't even want to call it a, a traditional 3-4. To me, it looked more like an amoeba type of thing. And I think um, that's maybe what you'll see a little bit more when we talk about the stand-up rushers and uh, the A-gaps and, and the overload blitzes that Mike Zimmer likes to do, um, I, I don't think you're going to see too much traditional 3-4. And if you do, you're damn well not going to see Fletcher Cox playing nose tackle. So I, I don't think it was – if anyone reported that, I don't know if they did. I, I don't think it was a traditional 3-4 when he got the big 330-pound guys supposed to occupy two blockers. I think it was more of of a, a sort of the first, the kickoff point to getting those stand-up rushers in there and, and getting, you know, the quarterback, the opposing quarterback to say, okay, who's coming? Who's dropping? I, I think that's what they're starting uh, to to pull out and Fletcher said, you know, we asked him, you know, what's the difference between this and the prior defense? And he's like, I just do what I do. And he said, he's always playing three techniques. So he's happy. J Mac uh, yesterday with the quote unquote ones, which again, the head coach wants to stay away from describing or uh, letting us do too, too much analysis as best he can. Uh, Davion Taylor, Kayvon Wallace, both starting in yesterday's scrimmage action, last year's uh, high draft picks or uh, medium high draft picks 
who I've asked almost every guest we've had on the show over the last week or so, if one of these two guys is actually going to tr- contribute, which one is it going to be? Well, they both were starting yesterday. What do we read into that? That they both progressed nicely from year one to year two? That, yeah, there's a couple injury issues, so that's why they were with the starters? Or, yeah, Howie Roseman is already dictating who the starters for this football team are. Yeah, I think they're listening to Birds 365. <laughs> I told him to throw, hey, you drafted Davion Taylor, throw him in the deep end of the pool. If he can't play, he can't play. But, you know, again, I bring up Gannon's history, and he wants athletic linebackers. Everywhere he's been, he's got athletic linebackers. Well, you don't have that here. Uh, but he's athletic. I don't know if he can play a lick because we didn't get to see him last year. Uh, he's obviously very raw. Now, the only reason he started was Alex Singleton was on the COVID list. Um, so that's why he was in with the first team with Eric Wilson. Same with Kayvon Wallace. He was in the first team um, because Rodney McLeod starts on the pup list, but uh, which is no surprise either. Um, so both are, are sort of that second tier. If a starter goes down, if a starter's not available, uh, they'd be next up. I think it's a it's a it's a bigger surprise that Taylor's in that position than Wallace. I mean, we kind of knew it was Wallace or Epps, Marcus Epps at safety. If Rodney wasn't able to go, and then you start thinking, well, Epps is a single high safety, uh, coverage safety. That's what Anthony Harris does. Maybe Kayvon Wallace is a better complement because he's more of a box safety. Uh, but at linebacker, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think they put Davion Taylor out there. And maybe it is Howie Roseman. I, I mean, he took him in the third round. Uh, and by the way, who is the starting left tackle? Everybody's on that train, Jody. Jordan Mylotta. And yep, it was Andre Dillard. John, I wanted to ask about Jalen Rager, too. I thought this was really interesting just from going down the timeline yesterday. It looked like. He wasn't going to practice, then what, he put pads on, and then he took them off. Well, what was the deal with that? Yeah, he's got a lower body injury. So, I, I mean, the Eagles uh, listed him as limited. Um, it was probably one of those deals where he got on the field and was trying to – was going to try to go, uh, and then something felt a little tight. Obviously, they don't clarify what injuries are this time of year. They did they, – they did clarify that Isaac Samal is dealing with a hamstring issue, but it's usually the Doug Peterson infused hockey mentality of upper body, lower body, lower body. So my, my guess is he wanted to try to go. They said, all right, see how you feel. And uh, maybe felt a little bit of tweak, but it's not serious because he stayed out there the whole time. He was, you know, for instance, he was back with the punt returners sort of right with them watching as they took a few reps. So if for anything seriously, you know, you're going into the building. Um, so I, I wouldn't be concerned about it other than obviously Jalen had some injury issues last season, but even those were, they weren't soft tissue. They, it, it was the shoulder first and and then the hand, or I forget what it was when he caught that uh, ball down the middle, but um He's got to be out there. He's got to improve. Uh, you know, there's another guy we keep bringing up high draft picks because uh, Jalen wasn't able to go, because uh, Greg Ward wasn't able to go. Uh, 
there was JJ, first team. <laughs> so you see, all these premium picks, these day one and day two picks, they get more opportunities than uh, the other guys, day three picks or undrafted free agents. Yeah, my buddy Mr. Ward's sick yesterday. He's sick of everyone saying that he's just not good enough to be a starting wide receiver <laughs> for the Eagles. So uh, he'll By the get way, over that. Greg Ward, the first, the first I know of, the first human being since this pandemic started to get sick of a non-COVID illness. Yeah. No, that's so, somehow it's not COVID related. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it seemed weird. It used to be that used to be life all the time. Yeah, hey, I don't feel life. well. I'm Somebody sick. Got sick. Somebody you got don't, you don't have to explain it as COVID, non-COVID, vaccinated, non-vaccinated. Uh, anyway, you brought up the uh, putt returners. How was your first look at Aaron Cephas? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I live the, I leave the punting to, uh, Jimmy Kemsky. He's, he's a good punt. He's my, my, my buddy from the Philly voice. He's the punt guy. I'm, I'm the personal protector guy. I, I always <laughs> put that out there. I, I say, if you want to, if you want to figure out somebody on the back end of the roster, who's going to make the team look at who first team personal protector is. Uh, because uh, that gives you an indication they have an inside track to a job. Doesn't mean they're going to uh, catch. Elijah Riley did it yesterday. So for those of you in roster pools, now the problem there is Andrew Adams, who's you know a player probably people don't realize, uh, signed as a free agent from Tampa Bay. He was not available yesterday. So he might throw a, mon- uh, a sort of a monkey wrench into that, but uh, yeah, I'm the personal protector guy. So it was Elijah Riley and uh, Anthony Harris was the second team personal protector. And they always have a veteran on the second team. So uh, a little inside roster uh, tip for you. John, going around the NFC East, uh, just from covering the NFL, the Giants had an eventful day yesterday. Washington's had an eventful week with the whole vaccination of Ron Rivera making this plea. How nice was it going to Eagles camp knowing there wasn't really any drama on day one? Oh, I, I this is the Philadelphia Eagles, Jeff. There's always drama. I, I mean, like I said, when the GM steps to the podium on day one, you're like, what the hell is going on? Uh, there's always drama. Um, and again, he didn't shut down. Uh, the Sean Watson stuff, and he was given an opportunity. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. And of course, you know, they refused to name Jalen Hurts the starter, uh, although he takes every first teamer up. They recognize that. They say, well, nobody, no, Joe, Joe's not going to take first teamer. So why isn't he the starter? Well, there's only one reason he's not the starter. If nobody else in camp has taken uh, first team reps, and he's not the starter. Well, that means somebody from outside the organization might be the starter. I, I thought Howie was talking to shut that stuff down, and he did anything but. John, uh, one more position I want to get out of you, out of you before you. I know you got to head uh, to Eagles practice day two. Um, because they were playing on a somewhat shrunken field, doing everything in the quote-unquote red zone, um, and they'll stretch it out over uh, time over here, over the first week, over the entire preseason. 
anybody flash from the running back crew? Did anybody stand out? Or was that an area where you thought, well, the defense has got an advantage again because they're playing on a short field. The back of the end zone is lending a helping hand. Anybody in the uh, running back group either shine for you or throw a red flag up for you day one? Um, I, I think there were, you know, the two big plays from a defensive perspective other uh, than uh, Darius Slay were uh, interception, one interception, one strip, and they both came from running backs, Kenny Gainwell, uh, the rookie, and Adrian Killens, um, who's, you know, a, an interesting guy because he's so fast and he's been playing receiver a lot. So he's, he's been sort of a hybrid. Um, and, you know, ball security tends to be an issue with younger players uh, when they see NFL players and NFL defenses. So I, I don't know. I, I You know, to me, I, I and I'm going to write about this at some point. If, if you remember, uh, Jeff and Jody, you both might remember when Danelle Pumphrey was drafted. The Eagles uh, broke out this uh, at the time, Doug Peterson called it uh, 21 Pony uh, with Darren Sproles. And everybody was like, wow, look at these two in the backfield uh, with no pads on. And then the pads came on. And they said, oh, somebody's going to block somebody. <laughs> and they just uh, they just quickly junked it. And now everybody's talking about 21 speed with Miles Sanders and, and Kenny Gainwell. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if it works out. But. I think it's got a long way to go with the running backs. It's, it's tough uh, because, you know, they're sort of like offensive linemen. They tend to shine when the pads come on the few times uh, the pads come on. I will say uh, Jordan Howard probably looked the best outside of miles. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, uh, but um, he's a veteran player. Maybe he's got some uh, gas left in the tank. Uh, I think people forget how well he was playing uh, before he got hurt here. And then Miles kind of seized the job late in his rookie season. He had, he had taken over as the starter uh, for Miles Sanders as a rookie. Uh, and then he got hurt. And he was playing really well at the time. So maybe it is positive. John, John, go ahead, John. Go ahead, uh, John. Yeah. Uh, one last thing. How did Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson look yesterday? I know last year, obviously, Lane was hampered by the ankle injury and all that, and Brandon just couldn't take the field. Yeah, I mean, even Howie. Howie brought that up on – you know, he, he just brought it up on his own and the fact that they think the strength of this team, and they're right, is the offensive line. I mean, that group. There is, there's no questions about that group other than injuries, which are real questions uh, when you have aging players uh, who have injury histories. It doesn't tend to go in the opposite direction. But if those guys are out there, I mean, yeah, that's the best right side in football. And it's probably not close. And then Isaac Samalo is probably one of the more underrated players and I think left tackle is going to be fine. I, I think it's going to be Andre Dillard, but we'll see. Even if it's Jordan Mailata, I think it's going to be fine either way. And they have depth. So they think that's the strength of their team, and they're probably right. All right, John, last thing, uh, maybe the most important thing. Uh, what was yesterday's attire, and are you changing oh, I, I today? Wore, I, I, I wore my, my – uh, I don't know what to call it anymore, but I wore it for you, so – 
everybody got to see it and everybody remarked because a couple of people heard and yeah, everybody remarked that, that, oh, that's light. That's really, really, it is the lightest thing I own, Jody McDonald, it the was... lightest thing I own. So I broke it out for you. So you'll be able to ask some guys who are practice. Yeah, it's it 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 got rave reviews. Glad, glad you were uh, lightly uh, constituted yesterday. Not going to be as hot today. So you going full out uh, parka or uh, full what are you doing to protect today. yourself from the sun? I, I'm go- I'm I'm going to wear the yeah I'm going to wear the scarf, uh, the hats, uh, the wool hats, and the parka. Parka. You're not a bucket hat guy, John. No, I'm not a bucket hat guy. That's. Uh, that's my buddy Ed Kratz. He's a bucket hat, hat guy. Bob Groats is a bucket hat guy. Uh, no, I'm just a typical uh, uh, go- uh, cap guy like Jody wears. I, I generally rotate my Super Bowl uh, hats during training camp. Very nice. Uh, let us turn back the clock. Don't know if it's going to happen this year for the Eagles, but hey, second day of camp, you can dream the dream. Hey, and Jeff, I want to thank Jeff for filling in for me. Just don't do too good of a job, Jeff. Don't do too good of a job. Jody will push me out the door. You're Carson Wentz and I'm Jalen Hurts. How's that? (laughs) Well, that's not good for me. Although I'm vaccinated. I I don't know if Carson is. We'll see. I'll I'll push Jeff out the door too if he starts to badmouth Greg Ward. So don't sweat it, McMullen. You're all right. Uh, Have a good day in practice. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. John McMullen, our uh, usual co-host, Jeff Kerr's got his slot while J-Mac's heading down to practice these next couple of weeks. We'll come back here on Birds 365. We've got a whole bunch more to break down from yesterday's day one. Stuff from around the league. You know, Jeff covers the entire league for CBS. So uh, we'll touch on a couple other teams as we continue gearing up for the start of the 2021 football season right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. It's your Birds 365, guys. Different combo than usual. Hope you enjoyed hearing from John McMullen. And you know what? John didn't blink. That was tremendous. The whole time he was on our show, he never blinked once because he was on the phone and we just threw up a uh, a frozen shot of John McMullen. He's off to Eagles camp for day number two. So we've got Jeff Kerr in his stead holding down the fort for us here on Birds 365. And uh, John gave us some really good insights from practice day number one. And yeah, I was surprised that both uh, Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman made themselves available to the media on day one. You don't usually get that. Uh, I'll ask you to uh, think outside the box here, Jeff. Uh, any specific reason why the Eagles were a little bit more media friendly? And maybe because I'm a member of the media, I'm too caught up in this uh, that I shouldn't shouldn't uh, try and read between the lines here. But uh, accommodating day one, maybe they thought some uh, questions needed to be answered. Uh, why do you think both Sirianni and Howie Roseman uh, made themselves available and, and hung around and took a goodly number of questions as much as they did? I think it was a combination of things, John, just pretty much being a media member myself and you know dealing with 32 NFL teams. Look, we've had two years now where we haven't been to a, an actual press conference. It's been all limited. And I know the Los Angeles Rams have been very accommodating with this. Um, the New Orleans Saints, for one, they've seen the Kansas City Chiefs have been at the forefront of just having media members across the board because it's been two years. It's the only time you were able to talk to Howie Roseman was on a limited Zoom call that lasted like 10 to 12 minutes. Well, you're not going to get your question in or anything for that matter. It's all, it's not authentic. And so I think the Eagles with the combination of limiting media members at training camp, I know a lot of the local longtime beat guys are there. John McMullen's one, Ed Kratz, you know, Jimmy Kemsky, guys like that. They were the guys there yesterday. And I thought that was pretty cool that the Eagles were able to accommodate those guys and, kind of let them do their own thing. I, I, they still had their training camp uh, protocol, as it will, and you know, even pre-pandemic where you can't take photos, you can't videotape after the first 10 minutes. You know, they were pretty limited on that. But I thought in terms of media access and 
what they were able to provide. Like you don't see Jalen Hurts, Fletcher Cox, Devonta Smith all on day one. You just don't see that, especially the high profile guys. And then you get Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. And, you know, I saw a couple of tweets. Oh, that's a bad look that Howie Roseman has to hold his coach's hand. No, this has nothing to do with that at all. This is Howie Roseman being forefront and really, he could have squashed the Sean Watson rumors. And like John said, he didn't. And so I thought he was even more authentic and more real that Howie Roseman was able to go out there and essentially just talk to the media. I don't think we're going to see that often, but I thought that was pretty cool that the Eagles were able to do that on day one. I thought Howie played that pretty well in that he said, I'm not going to talk about any individual player because they're under contract to another team. Which is, yes, the way the rules read in the National Football League. You can't come out and say you covered someone or you're having conversation about someone else's player. So he covered his backside well. But then you're right, left the door open for continued speculation, which is what I think we're going to continue to get and we probably should get because, yeah, talk about a surprise. I was a little surprised that Zach Ertz was as active a participant as he was yesterday. We knew as soon as... Howard Eskin, who was ahead of the story, uh, everybody else uh, said last week Zach Ertz was using the facilities and expected to be there day one of camp. Well, sure enough, he was. And uh, nobody was really surprised by that. Maybe surprised by his choice of hair color. But I was even more surprised by the fact that he was as active a participant as he was. Now, this was just my trying to figure out and read along. I thought he was going to show. I thought he was going to be there. I thought he was going to be uh, interacting with his teammates. Oh, I didn't think he was going to practice because I thought the Eagles are still very much trying to trade him. They're just showcasing the fact that he's ready for some football. Any of you teams out there who made an offer on him, just not a good enough offer during this offseason. Oh, Zach's good to go. Look at him. He looks good in the uniform. Hey, you can even get a blonde tight end. I thought they were going to showcase him a little bit. But he actually got out there and participated, and you, you never know. Guys could get hurt, and that could put a complete kibosh on his season, on the Eagles' potential to trade him. I was a little surprised that he was as active a participant as he was. Well, down in Houston, Deshaun Watson was an active participant, which I flat out couldn't believe. I would have given you about a 25% chance Zach Ertz was going to practice. Turned out to be 100%. I would have gone about 2% that Deshaun Watson was going to practice. I thought for sure he was going to sign in. They were going to say, Deshaun, you can either stay in the locker room or you can go home. You're not going out there onto the field. We're not going to do that. Oh, yeah, he did. He was out there on the field working with the Texans. The NFL said that there will be no restrictions on what he can do. And the Texans took that literally and put him out there. Were you surprised by me when you saw a video? of Deshaun Watson on the practice field for the Texans yesterday. So when the Eagles were having their press conferences, I'm getting a bunch of texts from Texans writers saying, yeah, Deshaun Watson's out here. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, they went into the bubble to start practice. They're like the Eagles at the Novacare Complex. They have a bubble too. And he wore a sweatshirt. And then when he came out, the hood was over his head. But then he put the pads on. And then I I think the Texans were like, okay, they all know you're practicing. Like, we all have to do this now. And he went out and it was a full practice for him. And David Culley did not hide that at his news conference. He goes, he's here, and, you know, he's our quarterback until he's not, pretty much, paraphrasing what he said. And, you know, I kind of felt bad for David Culley. He had to answer all these questions about Deshaun Watson and 
what if this happens and what if that happens? And for a first-year head coach, you can tell David Culley's been around the league for a long time, especially with the Eagles. He handled it really, really well. I was impressed by just everything that was going on. And, you know, they were asking about Tyrod Taylor. They were asking about Davis Mills. And he goes, Sean Watson's here. And as long as Sean Watson's here, he's my quarterback. Yeah, that was uh, not the fact that he would rank Deshaun Watson number one on his depth chart. That, that would be pretty obvious, yes. But just the fact that he's there and he's participating, I thought it was pretty well documented that Deshaun Watson wanted no part of being a Texan. Um, maybe he's just trying to do whatever he needs to do to put himself in the best position to be traded and get out of there ASAP which is, I guess, somewhat understandable. But again, maybe I'm a negative Nelly. Maybe I'm a uh, Debbie Downer. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Isn't there a chance that someone could get hurt? I'm sure that at some point, everyone told everyone they shouldn't have to tell anybody. But listen, there's a reason why the quarterback is wearing that colored jersey. Don't you dare touch him. There is no physicality in this practice. You get there, but you stop on a dime before you get there. He could. How many non-contact injuries have we seen? Torn ACLs, MCLs, guys just taking a bad step. And there goes the knee. Why would the Texans do that with Deshaun Watson? You see, that's the thing. Deshaun Watson has done this before his rookie year in the November practice. It was a non-contact ACL injury. That's why I was so shocked. I thought he would just be there and just throw passes and, you know, just kind of smile and wave to the camera. Nope, let's just bring him out there like with the rest of the team. And I don't know what they're trying to do, showcase them just to see – Hey, look, a top three quarterback in the National Football League is healthy and he's ready to go. And the NFL is making sure he can practice. So give us your three first round picks. Give us the Kings uh, ransom. You know, let us fleece you like every other team in the league fleeces us. All right. Let me get your read on it from an Eagle perspective. Either those who want to see the Eagles go out and get to Sean Watson or those who are firmly in the camp of Jalen Hurts and want to see him be given a chance. And if Deshaun Watson goes elsewhere, well, if Deshaun Watson goes elsewhere, we're going to give Jalen Hurts a year chance. The fact that he's practicing, whose narrative does it help more? That Deshaun Watson is closer to being traded. And if that's the case, we know the Eagles are at least going to inquire and make a bid on Deshaun Watson. Or does it actually help the chances of Jalen Hurts staying here? Because, maybe the Texans are trying to make up with Deshaun Watson and hold on to him rather than turn around and trade him. 
which narrative grew in your mind yesterday with the fact that Deshaun Watson practiced? I think in a perfect world, the Eagles would love Jalen Hurts to give them a reason not to trade for Deshaun Watson. That's what I thought take the reins, man. He is the starting quarterback of this football team, but the starting quarterback of this football team may be in Houston or may not be on the roster right now. Uh, he who shall not be named. Uh, so I look at it as, okay, the Texans are – they're showcasing him two teams, and I know the leaks came out, and I, you know, I don't know how true this is or not. Multiple teams are interested in Deshaun Watson. I'm sure they are, but of course you never mention – what teams they are from what I've gathered. It's Philadelphia, it's Denver, it's Miami. And I, I don't think Miami's going to end up getting him because I, I think they are sold on to a Tiger Viola. I think they want to see what this kid has. I think Brian Flores is pretty sold on that. And Denver that, you know, Aaron Rodgers ain't going to Denver. He, you know, he's in green Bay as unhappy as he is. And as authentic as he was yesterday, he ain't going anywhere in 2021. So I think Denver is, Interesting. Although I, I talked to a couple of players in the Denver Broncos, they seem pretty content where it's Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. I think a lot of them would love to see Drew Locke kind of take that next step in this progression because he was working with Peyton Manning this offseason. So are the Eagles bidding against themselves for this guy? That's what I really want to know. And I, I think maybe Houston's just trying to gauge the market a little bit. Possibly, um, but I'm sorry, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. If you can get your hands on Deshaun Watch, you can't begin to if if you're gonna stand all over and it would surely play here in Philadelphia, Deshaun Watson must be guilty of something. Don't know how much, don't know how big, don't know how heinous, but he's gotta be guilty of and we don't want that type of a quarterback. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll roll my eyes and say, Yeah, right. But uh, I I'll I'll certainly give credence to that potential line of thinking. If you're telling me you think you'll be good enough with Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, as compared to what you could be with Deshaun Watson as your quarterback, I'm going to tell you, stop. You're lying to yourself. Don't lie to me either. Uh, we're talking about a football evaluation here. We've already seen Watson play on a top flight level. We've never seen Bridgewater or Locke play anywhere near that type of level. So don't don't try and sell that to me here. Oh, we think there's massive improvement. There's a major step up coming for Drew Locke because he worked out with Peyton Manning this offseason. Yeah, no, if you're that's what you're trying to sell. I'm not buying for a second uh, uh, bit. Um, but the Texans have already floated out their potential ass there. And in case I know you saw it, and for any of our listeners who didn't, um, using Chris Mortensen as their uh, piece of information, uh, something in the neighborhood of five high draft picks and two starting players. Why would the Texans do something like that? Do they really think that's going to start the conversation more? Or do they think it's going to stop it dead in its tracks? Because that's the way I looked at it when I heard that report from a couple of days ago. I think it's more of, okay, this is where we want to start at. This is not what we actually think we're going to get, but we got to try to sell high on this guy, even with his baggage. Because if you just look at the numbers, he was one of three quarterbacks to complete 70% of his passes last year, led the NFL in passing yards, led the NFL in yards per attempt. Oh, and by the way, he's 25 years old. He is a top three quarterback in this league. And if it wasn't for him, I don't think the Houston Texans win a game last year. That's how bad I think the Texans are without him. And he was able to play that well despite – having the worst running game in the league. And I, I truly admit that like David Johnson was 
He was okay, but that offensive line was not a good run blocking offensive line. Deshaun Watson was running for his life. He would have gotten sacked the most in the league again if it wasn't for the Eagles and their banged up offensive line. So I think what the Texans are doing is, look, we got to recoup the last two drafts where we did not have a first or a second round pick. So we're going to ask for the moon here. And I think they know a team like the Eagles, we know they got two first round picks and they got one of them from the Dolphins. Uh, you might have one from the Colts. At the very worst, it's a second. So the, I look at it as the Eagles have two firsts, two seconds. Well, there's your high draft picks and a starting caliber player or two. Well, in my opinion, Jalen Hurts is a starting caliber player, and the Texans do not have a quarterback. Uh, I know they signed Tyrod Taylor. He's not the long-term answer. Do they really believe in Davis Mills? I don't know, but in lamest terms, Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback in the National Football League, and he's started games and he has experience, so maybe he gets his shot down in Houston if the Eagles were able to pull off a trade for Deshaun Watson. He is Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald with your birds. 365 guys. John McMullen heading off to Eagles camp day number two. He was on with us hour number one. We'll continue the Eagles conversation, but we'll also go across the National Football League. We've already talked about Deshaun Watson. There's another quarterback who grabbed a couple headlines this offseason, in case you missed it up in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers uh, showed up in camp. Looks like he needs a haircut, but uh, was ready to answer questions and put forth his side of the story as to why this was as tumultuous an offseason for the Green Bay quarterback as it was. I'll talk about with that, that and uh, more with my buddy Jeff Kerr here on Birds 365 when we come right back. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. It's the Mac and Mac, guys. Oh, we're down a Mac. Yes, we are, and we're not. John McMullen was on with us earlier uh, as the guest for our number one here on Birds 365. He's heading off to day two of Eagles camp. We've got Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com in his stead. Here with you for another oh, 50 minutes on a uh, day leading up to the second day of Eagles training camp. We've already talked plenty, Birds. Uh, but while we've got uh, Jeff on the show with us, who covers the entire National Football League, I didn't want to touch down on a couple other situations around the NFL including one in Green Bay, where Aaron Rodgers showed up for their first practice, apparently his agent, and he, I don't know how much Rodgers participated. I guarantee you he was uh, kept in the loop on absolutely everything, but I don't know how much he was in on the sit-down that ironed out all the issues that the Green Bay Packers had. Well, Aaron yesterday stepped up to in front of the media, and he filled in any blanks that uh, people may have had about why he did what he did and what he's going to do going forward. I got to tell you, Jeff, I was pretty impressed. Talk about a guy who flexed his muscles for his abilities within the organization. Aaron Rodgers kind of told everybody yesterday why he is as power, as much a power broker with the Green Bay Packers as there is in the entire organization. So if you were uh, any media member, who was there, or basically at any press conference ever, Aaron Rodgers gave you the dream. Because you always think you're going to get the hearsay and, yeah, this and this and this, and they did not. Nope, not Aaron Rodgers. Nope. The only reason people come to Green Bay is because I'm here. They definitely don't come for the weather. Uh, my favorite of the whole press conference was, I played for the Packers the or the fans. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the whole thing. He did not hold back. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is meant to be on TV when he's done playing football, doing something, where it's hosting Jeopardy or being a color commentator in a booth. Uh, we need more of Aaron Rodgers in our lives after yesterday. I would tend to agree. Um, and at least the way that it's being reported, Aaron Rodgers will be with the Packers this year. They redid his contract so that the last year, which was going to be next year, is no longer existed. He's guaranteed to become a free agent at the end of this year, but he didn't lose out on any money. Uh, they just kind of gave it to him so as he would show up from camp rather than hold out. Oh, while they were at it, they went out and reacquired his favorite wide receiver, even though his game seems to be going backwards, only cost him a six-round pick. And they're not paying his entire salary, but uh, Aaron Rodgers is dictating personnel moves with the Green Bay Packers, too. So, again, yes, he's flexing his muscles up there in Green Bay. If you're one of the other 31 teams in the National Football League 
And you saw Aaron Rodgers speak the way he spoke and flex his muscles the way he flexed his muscles. Does that give you any pause for next year that do we really want to take this? We know how good a football player he is. But if you're the general manager of that football team and you're going, well, wait a minute, he's now going to tell me how to do my job going forward. I know he's Aaron Rodgers, but did he not care that there's going to be people out there who are going to say, wow, Aaron, do you think you overstepped just a little bit? You are a player. You're a really good player, but you are just a player. And you're talking as if you should have an ownership stake in the team you're coming to. Do you think he heard his free agent status at all? I don't think he did. Uh, I honestly, and this is pretty much what I gathered, and Aaron Rodgers kind of confirmed this yesterday. All he wanted was to be asked on the most minuscule of decisions possible, like which players they were going to cut. or And I, I don't even think he wanted to make the final decision just – hey, Aaron, what do you think about this? Or, Aaron, what do you think about that? And I know there's an organization that does this with a certain quarterback, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. They they inform him of stuff they're going to do, and Mahomes is so easygoing. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I like that, you know. And the communication has been key, and the Packers' way of communicating with Aaron Rodgers is you're an employee of our shareholders you are an employee of our organization we have won without you before and really I, I think it's more of the Packers saying we won with Brett Favre and they seem to forget how bad they were before Brett Favre even walked through those doors when they got lucky and traded for him but overall it just seems like they view Aaron Rodgers as just that an employee and I think wherever Aaron Rodgers goes as a free agent I think he's going to have certain demands, and I'm not saying they're big demands here, but I think he wants to have a say in who he throws to and who blocks for him. And I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is a good GM or not, but I, I think if you give him a talented roster, which he's going to pick in free agency, I just think he's going to be one of those guys that say, hey, you know what, don't cut this third-string running back because he blocks well or – please don't cut this, you know, or we're going to cut. I'm just going to throw out, say he was on the Eagles. Um, Greg Ward, your boy, you know, please don't cut him. He catches the football. We, we have value for him. I think that's all Aaron Rodgers really wants out of this whole thing. I don't think he's a problem at all. I just think he's authentic, and I wish more players would be like that. We need an Aaron Rodgers here in Philadelphia. Number one, for the way he can spin the football. And number two, if he's that big a Greg Ward fan, he, he's going to score points in my book. Um, here's my one issue with Aaron Rodgers. Do you think Randall Cobb's got anything left in the tank? We know how good he was when he was playing with Aaron several years ago. He left, had a mediocre year with the Dallas Cubs, had a less than stellar year last year with the Texans, and that's with Deshaun Watson, who we're all singing the praises of and saying, you got to get him because he's a franchise quarterback and put up great numbers. He is on the other side of 30. Other than their boys, if we're now evaluating Aaron Rodgers' ability to evaluate talent, you like the, hey, go get, a, get Randall Cobb back for me and the Packers immediately getting it done because, yes, they were in the mode of trying to win back uh, Curry favor from Aaron Rodgers. You think Randall Cobb can still play? That's what I'm concerned about because I watched my fair share of Texans games last year, and let me tell you, Jody, he was not even the number three option on that team. It was 
Brandon Cooks, who had a really good year for them last year. A lot of that had to do with Deshaun Watson, but Brandon Cooks showed he could still play. Will Fuller was really good when he was healthy. But even when Will Fuller got hurt, Kiki Kuti was like the the guy after that. Like Randall Cobb was just kind of an afterthought in the slot. I, I mean, he was getting replaced by like guys who signed with the team that we, uh, I forget the kid's name on Houston. I, I should know this, but you know, basically he was getting replaced by like guys that were signing off the street and being productive. And he was getting paid a lot of money to basically sit the bench. So I don't know if Randall Cobb was only good because of Aaron Rodgers. I still think he's decent. Like if Aaron Rodgers wanted Randall Cobb back, I'm sure the Packers are like, yeah, we don't have to give up much, if anything for this guy. And yeah, we'll absorb his salary for one year because you're gone after the year. Anyway, I think the Packers needed Randall Cobb a little bit more than Aaron Rodgers did just because Alan Lazard's a nice player, but he's inconsistent. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a deep threat, but he's inconsistent. I think what Aaron Rodgers wanted was a little bit more consistency at the wide receiver position, not named Devonta Adams. And Randall Cobb kind of provides that check down dump off guy. And I think that's all he really wanted. And oh, by the way, the Texans are paying, I believe it's five or it's three and five. I forget the breakout. I read it this morning. He's scheduled to make $8 million this year, which Randall Cobb is no longer an $8 million player. But the Texans uh, decided that's what they would be willing to pay him when they signed him as a free agent last year. Um, One's paying five and one's paying three. I forget. I apologize for not remembering uh, whether it's the Texans are picking up five out of the eight and the Packers are obligated for three or vice versa, uh, one or the other. But they're splitting his salary uh, this year. Um, We'll see if Aaron Rodgers can lift his game back up. But yes, you talk about a guy who has established himself as a major mover and shaker within the organization. Aaron Rodgers did that uh, with Green Bay over the last several days. All right, one other quarterback thing I wanted to ask you about. Dak Prescott taken out of Cowboys practice yesterday. Not his knee, not a lower body injury, an upper body injury, had some shoulder issues. And uh, due to an abundance of caution, they pulled him off the field and added MRI done on him is this something eagle fans should get excited about because if uh Dak Prescott goes down again I know he's several positions deep on the depth chart but could we see Ben DiNucci in a game for the Dallas Cowboys again this year man that was one of the ugliest performances I've seen at the quarterback position in the last several years in the National Football League I know we got to go through Gail Gilbert and Cooper Rush first but Ben DiNucci is still on the Cowboy roster. If Dak Prescott isn't the guy taking snaps from the Cowboys, the Cowboys becoming also ran in this weak division again. Uh, just a a first practice. Uh-oh, we're not taking any chances thing with Dak Prescott? I think that's what it is. I, I mean, I would definitely be concerned because it's early. And, yeah, it is an upper body injury. And, you know, I know Dak had his lower body injury last year with his leg, but – this is something else entirely. I mean, this affects your throwing motion. This affects your timing. And Dak Prescott needs to get his timing down. He hasn't played a meaningful football game since October last year. And his chemistry with his receivers, it, it is good. Don't get me wrong. But I think you want to develop more of that. Do you still – and this is what I love about talking with offensive linemen. Uh, you know, Barrett Brooks is one of them. When you're an offensive lineman, and, and the relationship between them and quarterbacks is – stunning you don't really look at that but offensive linemen got to know like 
where their quarterback's going, you know, how his footwork is, how he calls the checks, the protections and all that. That's something that the Cowboys really need to get down because Dak Prescott got hit a lot last year in the little bit he played. And I think a lot of that was a lot of new offensive linemen that he just hasn't been used to. And they didn't really have many camps this year. So this is the time of year to learn that. And they had an extra week of practice. I thought the extra preseason game was going to help the Cowboys out, but it doesn't even look like now he may not play that much this preseason. And I'll tell you what, Jody, I cannot wait for hard knocks because of this. I want to see if this even makes the cut uh, for the HBO. It should, because it, that was a, a sight yesterday. And I know Ben DiNucci's buried on this depth chart. He does have the right to say he outplayed Carson Wentz in that Sunday night football game last no, year. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 I was the guy who called Carson on the carpet. I had to do a complete 180. I was a defender for the first several weeks. And week after week, Carson played badly and played badly and played badly. I had to say, well, the Carson detractors are onto something here because the guy's not playing well. No, Ben DiNucci was just not an NFL quarterback. I would suggest now you're an you're a national guy, so you'll be able to fill in the blank for me here. Who was the individual who started for the Denver Broncos when their entire quarterback room went down with COVID? That would be Kendall Hilton. I actually covered that game last. You did? Oh yeah. Like so, we have to do like a certain game of the week for CBS, and I got that one. What up? performance out well I you know I was joking with people I'm like I wonder if this guy's gonna complete a pass he ended up doing so in the third quarter but oh my god it, it was such a funny moment like Taysom Hill didn't play well at all but he had two touchdown runs because the same they didn't even try to throw the ball that game they're just like you know what we're just gonna go through the motions here we're just gonna beat this team to a pulp and they just it was the quickest NFL game I think I ever covered. It was like two hours and 30 minutes. Denver was just three and out, three and out, three and out. They got a first. You felt so bad for them. Like, uh, you know, just talking to a couple players on that game, they said it was just a weird week in general. Like, everything that happened. And, you know, I asked them, did you guys really feel you could win the game? Well, yeah, obviously we felt we could win the game. And, you know, it wasn't Kendall Hill. Hilton's fault. I mean, his fault. The guy, he's, his wristbands in the Pro Football Hall of Fame from that game. It's something we haven't seen in the National Football League since 1965. A, a guy who started the game and he wasn't a quarterback. I mean, the Broncos did a lot of wildcat in that game. Philip Lindsay was like the de facto quarterback a lot. But it was actually, it felt like you were watching the game from the 40s, Jody. It was something to behold. Right. Much like uh, the Eagles, uh, Carson Wentz against Ben DiNucci, uh, Taysom Hill against Kendall Hilton. I'll tell you that, yeah, Taysom Hill got the better of uh, the Broncos quarterback. Nothing to be proud of. Same thing. Carson Wentz got the better of Ben DiNucci. Nothing to be proud of. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you that the other quarter, the losing quarterbacks played like losing quarterbacks. And Ben DiNucci was just that bad uh, going forward. So it brings me back to my question about the Cowboys. If Dak Prescott is handicapped, if he's not 100%, if this is going to be something that affects him all year within the division, a lot of people are saying the Cowboys are potentially the team to beat. You put Dak Prescott at the, the level that you expected him to play on entering last year and just believe it's a year further down the line, but the level of play is what it is. People believe that would lift the Cowboys enough to be the divisional champion. If it's not the case and Dak isn't the player we thought 
Have the Cowboys done enough of the other things in your mind to potentially win this division? Well, I think Dan Quinn makes their defense better just because Dan Quinn is a good defensive coordinator, and they brought in a lot of guys that kind of fit his system. Uh, I, that's one thing I really like what they did. I think the Malik Hooker signing for them, they just signed him. I think that could be a very underrated sign for him uh, for them, assuming he's healthy. Um, I love the Micah Parsons draft pick. I, I, you know, I said whoever gets Micah Parsons is getting a day one stud. And look, that's not because I went to Penn State. I, I watched him for three years in, in Happy Valley. He was that good. Well, two years, actually. He was that good of a player. And I, I think he tremendously improves that defense. And Look, they're moving on from Leighton Van Der Esch. He's not really a thing anymore. Uh, you know, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. I don't think they... They're not as high on Jalen Smith as they once were, but the guy still can tackle. He still can make plays. I'm a little concerned about their pass rush. I know it's, you know, the whole Alden Smith thing was interesting. And, you know, Randy Gregory seems to be a guy they still, for some reason, believe in down there. I, I don't get it. But, yeah, there's a lot of holes on that defense for sure. But I, I, I kind of look at Dallas like I look at Washington. If Washington can be a top 15 offense, which I think they can, they can win the division. If Dallas can become a top 15 defense, I think they win the division. I, I just think it's just a massive hole for them. I'm not really sure about their offensive line. Uh, you know, there are a couple guys on that team. They're starting to get of age. And, you know, Tyron Smith's one of those guys. And Zach Martin's still really good. I don't think he's the all-pro level anymore, but he's still a really good player. Uh, Lyle Collins, is a he's a solid right tackle. I don't think he's as good as he once was. He could prove me wrong this year. But overall – the key to the Dallas Cowboys is Ezekiel Elliott. You have to get the 2016 to 2018 version of him, not the version they've had the last two years. If Zeke can be that early version of Zeke, I think they're going to be very dangerous. What happened to Van Der Esch? Because uh, I, I see enough Cowboy games. I don't see every snap of every single game. You probably see more than I do, but uh, he was one of the better young linebackers. And I'm talking about after the draft because uh, some people talked him up a blue streak prior to the draft. I thought a little overboard, but uh, whatever. Um, he made some plays for the Cowboys in the early stages of his career. I know he had a couple injuries and missed some time, but it seems like his game has dropped off a cliff. Why is that the case? A lot of injuries. Um, obviously, Jody, the neck injury was a big thing, but he really overpursues a defender. And I think offensive coordinators really started to notice that. I was noticing that toward the end of his rookie year and in year two, like, wow, this guy is really aggressive. Like, he just goes after whoever has the football and kind of forgets about everything else, and it really hurts him in coverage. And I think that's really harmed the Cowboys because a lot of teams like to pick on him and throw his way. It's and Look, he, I still thought he was a good player, but I don't think he's worth what he thinks he's worth, and I think – you know, this is a real prove-it year for him. He's not coming back to Dallas, obviously. Micah Parsons there. But Micah Parsons just does so much that he can't do. And that's what concerns me about Leighton Van. He kind of reminds me now he's more – remember Zach Brown um, from Washington? He played for the Eagles a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's, that's kind of how he is. Like, he just, just goes 110% out of whoever the ball carrier is and kind of forgets about everything else. He likes to stat pass. And Zach Brown, major disappointment here in Philadelphia. I didn't think it was a bad signing when they signed him, and he came in and showed absolutely nothing for the Eagles. Um, you uh, referenced the Washington football team. They're very 
uh, dichotomy between Washington and Dallas. Dallas has a ton of offensive weapons. Is their defense going to be good enough to keep them in games? Last year, the answer was not enough. They're one of the worst defenses in football. Washington, basically the exact opposite. One of the most talented rosters defensively in the National Football League. Can their offense generate enough points to make them an above 500 team? Wasn't last year, but it was good enough to win the division. So uh, uh, fly a championship banner, fly a championship banner. Um, I don't know that we talk all that much on the show, uh, so it's good to be able to get your perspective as a guy who covers the entire league. The Washington offense. As you said with Johnny Mack earlier, some off-the-field issues already with the Washington football team, but on the field, uh, once they get there, they'll be led by Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we've seen this song and dance before. He comes in, he upgrades the offense a little, he plays great, then he plays lousy, then everyone's looking as to who's going to be the next quarterback and the like. How's it going to work this year with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in D.C.? Well, they're really banking on him to play all 16 games. I mean, you know, he doesn't have to be this superhero like he was with the Dolphins when he came for Tua last year or even how he was early in the season. But he just has to be a good game manager who can throw the football downfield and get to the playmakers at his disposal. And one thing I always liked about Ryan Fitzpatrick, you can have a bad offensive line with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He does take risks, but he does get rid of the football quick. And I think that's what helps him in the long run. But overall, this is what scares me about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is really, really old. He's 39. And I know Tom Brady kind of sheds the label of quarterbacks here, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is not Tom Brady. Um, you know, he does have a cam for an arm. He makes a lot of questionable decisions. I think what Washington needs to do is kind of – I want to say lighten up the offense here. Don't take the big shots downfield with him. Kind of do the short, quick passes, you know, with Tua Terry McLaurin, who is really good at that. Curtis Samuel, whenever he gets healthy, I think he really helps them. And then you've got a guy like Damian Brown from North Carolina, their third-round pick. That could be the guy you take the deep shots for. Uh, Logan Thomas is a really good pass-catching tight. Oh, he came out of nowhere. Um last year and now he got a nice contract extension i think bringing back uh brandon sheriff is really good for sharif is really good for washington even though he was franchise tag i, I think that that was key for their offensive line um getting rid of morgan moses I, i'm still not crazy about that but it, his play has declined over the last couple of years so overall i think washington's offensive line is a little suspect uh, i'm not I'm not sold on them. I, I will say that. I think they have a lot of their questions on offense. But, you know, the, the controversy is the vaccine. And when you have a head coach who is pleading for his players to get because he's immune deficient and how angry he is that there is a division. And he pretty much admitted there is a division in his locker room. And I don't need to name names, but I will. Montez Sweat, because he has come out and pretty much said he's not informed on it. Uh, you know, that was two months ago. So maybe things have changed, but if you're not going to play for your coach now who could die from this, what's going to happen when you actually have to go to war for him on the football field? That's what I'm concerned about that football team. Um, I, you did a really nice recap and gave us some insights to the uh, Redskins overall offense for this upcoming season. 
didn't touch on the running back position. And I know Antonio Gibson had a pretty good year last year. I would even say a surprising year. I liked him coming into the year, but he was better than I thought he was going to be. I thought it was out of necessity more than anything else because their passing game wasn't all that great that they said, hey, uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. We'll see if we can hold on to the football. And that gave Antonio Gibson the chance to shine. Do you think he takes a step forward, stays the same, could potentially go backwards? What do you think about the skins running it? Or I, the, I excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry. Really hold on. Hold on. I have to apologize. I called them skins. The Washington football team's running game. I'm sorry. I'm going to be doing this 10 years from now. I'm still going to be calling them the skins. My you know, I, I've only screwed up that once, and I'm like, man, I got to get this. Yeah, I'm a national NFL guy. I got to get this right. And I love writing about the football team, by the way, but – in my opinion, Antonio Gibson is a stud, and I really liked him coming out of Memphis. You know, I was curious to see when they drafted him what they were going to do with Adrian Pearson. Well, they didn't even give Adrian Pearson the chance to win that job. They got him. They, they just said, look, we like this kid, and they kind of easily groomed him in, and I thought he did exceptionally well for a guy who didn't have any preseason games or anything like that. Like, you know, he was – um, a fresh face to that offense. And I think now that you have more weapons in the passing game and the guy who reads his blockers really well, that's one thing I love about Antonio Gibson. He'll take his four yards and live with it. And he is prone to make the big plays. My worry about him is, can he get better in the passing game? Is he going to take those third down breaths from a guy like J.D. McKissick, who had 70 catches last year? You know, a little fun fact about him. But I think him and Antonio uh, McKissick and Antonio Gibson could be a lethal one-two combo if you let them be that. But I think what Washington really wants is Gibson to be that third down back. And I got to go by what, from what Ron Rivera has said in minicamp and from what they are thinking here, they expect Antonio Gibson to really just kind of, and I'll use the Eagles terms, take the reins here and be that next great running back. And I think he has the potential to do that, Jody. I'm really High on this guy. I like the way he runs the football. It doesn't seem to fumble the ball much. He comes from a – this is why I was high on Kenny Gainwell when the Eagles drafted him. Memphis just churns out good running backs all of a sudden, and they're all ready to play immediately. And Antonio Gibson was one of them. Yeah, you're a little higher on him than I am. I thought he was an okay spot in the third round where he was taken in the draft. Uh, if anything, I would say he was slightly overdrafted. But, damn, you're one if he didn't look like – uh, good enough to be a third-round evaluation. Uh, I'd admit that he played better than I thought he would. Yeah, I'll say he won't play as well here in year number two. If he gets better, yeah, he's going to be uh, a bell cow back for them because McKissick basically is one of the best pass-catching guys out of the backfield, but he's not going to get a whole bunch of carries. All right, it's uh, Jody McDowell, Jeff Curry, your Birds 365, guys. Come back. We'll do our final segment. We'll turn our attention back on the birds. Today, day two of Eagles training camp, we'll look back at some of the things we saw and some of the things we learned on day number one next year on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Appreciate you tuning in for Birds 365, your all Eagles, all the time channel, at least here on Bird 365. Jody McDonald, my usual partner, John McMullen, already heading down to Eagles camp day two of the preseason for the Eagles. He joined us in hour number one in a guest role, which was actually kind of cool. It was a little weird, but it was kind of cool, too. And uh, hopefully we'll get John up again tomorrow because he's at Eagles camp again today. Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com, NFL writer filling in for uh, Johnny Mac. All right, here's one of the things I want to talk about with Jeff during the final 20 minutes here today. Eagles coaching. I'm pretty sure we discussed this with you earlier when we had you on as a guest, but I want to go back and uh, just recheck what your stance was. When the Eagles decided to move away from Doug Peterson, I thought it was very confusing when uh, owner Jeff Laurie, when he met the media, when it was announced that Doug Peterson wasn't going to be back. And he said, well, Doug Peterson didn't really deserve to be fired, but I'm firing him anyway. I didn't get that. I was well on the record saying that if Jeff wanted to move on from both 
Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman, I would have understood it because four eleven and one, just two years removed from winning a Super Bowl, pretty damn embarrassing. And if Jeff wanted to get the big broom out and sweep it clean and hit the restart button, I was okay with that. Or if yeah. he had said, "Listen, these guys have earned a little uh, latitude. We did just win the Super Bowl two years ago, so despite this being embarrassing." I'm going to stick with both of these guys. I would have been okay with that. He did the one thing I didn't think he should do, which was fire one and keep the other. So Doug Peterson was given his walking papers and Nick Sirianni was brought in. What was your overall take on the Eagles deciding to let Doug Peterson go after last year? So that was a crazy like weekend for me, honestly, Jody. That Friday, um, he was fired on Monday, I believe. It was here Monday or Tuesday. But that Friday, I remember I was talking to a couple people, and they're like, hey, Doug did not have a good meeting with the Eagles. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean not a good meeting? And they said, it's over. And, like, I didn't know it was over coordinators. But they're like, it's over personnel decisions. And I'm like, so what does that mean? And they're like, I don't think he's going to be here. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I didn't want to run with it because, you know, I you know, I just don't do that. You know, I had to hear from other people. So I'm just like, okay, I'll keep a tap on it, you know, that, that type of thing. And then Monday, they just came out with the bombshell. Doug's gone. And I'm like, oh, wait, aren't you guys a little late in the game to be doing this? Like, half the head coaches have had their first interviews already around the league. And, you know, they wanted to bring in Arthur Smith, and they wanted to bring in this. I'm like, Arthur Smith ain't coming here. Like, none of these guys are that you want are – they're already going on their second interviews or they can interview because you waited too long. And it just seemed like a pretty brash decision. Like, okay, well, we don't want press Taylor as our offensive coordinator. We want you to bring an outside guy. Well, they tried to do that. They tried to bring in Graham Harrell before and he didn't want to come here. It's, I don't know what the reason was. Like, it, was it because they didn't want to work with Carson Wentz? Did they want to fix Carson? Uh, like, I, I just don't understand. And this is pre pandemic. This is 2020. And so I'm looking at it as, okay, who are you going to actually get here? And, you know, I remember I did my list of head coach candidates, and the guy I really wanted was James Irvin from the Baltimore Ravens. I, I thought he did wonders with Lamar Jackson, just, you know, overall just how they run that offense. I thought it was really creative, and I thought the Ravens were a very innovative team with what they were doing. And, you know, I was all in the James Irvin. They didn't even give him an interview pretty much. Like, I remember he interviewed for the Eagles offense coordinator job, then the Ravens pulled it back. I thought maybe – you know, a head coaching job would be something to spice up the pie. That obviously didn't happen, but I remember, like, thinking I, – I didn't even name Nick Sirianni on my 10. And then I started thinking when they brought him in, I'm like, you know what, this kind of makes a little bit of sense here. And I thought they were going to bring him in familiarity with Carson Wentz, but then, you know, you were already hearing things like Carson Wentz pretty much was out the door anyway. So I'm like, okay, maybe they're just bringing in the guy that had a really good interview and they liked him and they liked his ideas. And, you know, everybody – Overblew the first press conference, Jody. And, you know, I was just like, okay, like, you know, Andy Reid didn't have a great first press conference either, as I recall. And I was 11 years old at the time. I remember listening to him like, wait, this guy's really our coach. And, you know, and, you know, he had a lot of background, you know, when you read into him. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know what? This guy's done a lot with Jacoby Brissett, with Phillip Rivers, um, twice with Phillip Rivers. He, he could coach wide receivers and he, Lord knows the Eagles needed a good wide receiver coach anyway with good background. And I like the hires he was making and the changes he was doing. And it, I, I don't know. Like, overall, I did not agree with the firing of Doug Peterson. I thought it was a little brash. But it was 
at the end of the day, I, I think they ended up making the right move just because of the guy they hired. And, you know, I, I just think they wanted a change. And, and it may have been changed for the sake of change, but I think it was a necessary change. So they got the change and Nick Shiny has taken over. And I, like you, thought that the uh, over-analysis of his first press conference was a bit much. Uh, I think he's actually handled himself much better with the media thereafter. Um, we got a chance to see him run a practice yesterday. Very limited viewing by the media of what the Eagles had as far as off-season workout goes, which, oh, by the way, you can't really do much in off-season workouts as per the collective bargaining agreement. So it was more fun competitions and team building than anything else. We got a chance to see him. And he's a hands-on coach. I like that about him, that he's young enough. He's still uh, in touch with the players enough that he's going to get out there and interact with the players, not just stand on the sidelines with a whistle uh, and then break down film thereafter and have uh, meetings on it. No, I like his hands-on approach. I like his enthusiasm. But the one thing that is actually rubbing me the wrong way about uh, the coach right now, even though overall I consider myself a fan in comparison to what most of the other Philadelphia media members look at Nick Sirianni as this obsession with not naming his starting quarterback. That does bother me. And I know that uh, it's a unique situation here. Jalen Hurts was a rookie quarterback last year who got inserted for several games after Carson Wentz stunk the joint out and lost his job. It wasn't so much taken from him as uh, he just flat out lost it himself. And you had the mixed results of Jalen Hurts last year, some very good things, some very questionable things. So he comes into this season, yes, as a guy who's got to uh, earn his spot, but Joe Flacco, Nick Mullins, come on. We know that Jalen Hurts is going to be the star of this team, yet the coach again yesterday wouldn't, he just wouldn't go there. He would say, oh, he's taking reps with the ones because, man, he worked his tail off during this offseason. But he wouldn't come out and say he's the starting quarterback. He went so far yesterday as saying, well, we play Atlanta week number one, so we have to figure it out between now and then. Really, Doug, you're going to wait till the week of the first game before you say Jalen Hurts is my quarterback? Did I call him Doug? I meant Nick. My bad. Uh, really, Coach Sirianni, you really going to wait till that last week? Why do you think all this is? Why do you think he is as staunch as he is at this? I get the whole competition thing. And he wants the players to believe it, even if they roll their eyes as he says it. Is it that simple that he's got this mantra about competition, that he's got to defend it, and the quarterback position is the main place that he's going to try and plant that flag? Yeah, because, and look, it's the same way with the right tackle position. Is Jack Driscoll really going to be your starting right tackle? No, it's Lane Johnson. I just think it's part of, like, I think that's why he kind of ditched the competition thing, even though he's big on that. And now it's attack. We're going to attack the day. We're going to attack rehab. We're going to attack rest. And I, I think that's why he kind of shifted to that because I think in his heart of hearts, he knows Jalen Hurts is a starter. And I think every first-year head coach does this. It's not Nick Sirianni. It's David Culley. It's Arthur Smith. I, everybody knows Matt Ryan is the Falcons starting quarterback, but Arthur Smith won't even name him as, as the starting quarterback because I think it's more, I'm the new guy. You know, there's a reason why I'm here because you guys weren't good enough last year and, you know, all, all that stuff. Uh, you know, Nick Sirianni is treating Jalen Hurts like he's the starting quarterback. He's saying everything. 
but that it just stinks like as a media member because you want him to confirm that and you got to waste a precious question on that, which again, I don't even think I'd waste my time on it. I would just ask something of another variety and hope he may. But remember Doug did that too, like with Sam Bradford the first year. Like yeah, everybody knew Sam was the starter. And really the only thing he confirmed was, well, Carson Wentz is going to be the three. And we're like, oh, oh, all right, so who's your starter, Doug? You know, is it Chase Daniel? Is it Sam Brown? I'm not going to divulge that information. And, you know, pretty much what, what he said. And then all of a sudden, like two weeks in, yeah, Sam Bradford's my starting quarterback. Yeah, oh, by the way, uh, Carson Wentz was the three, and then he went right to the one as soon as uh, Sam Bradford uh, was out of town and headed to Minnesota, which I thought was uh, pretty darn amazing. Since you brought up Carson Wentz, um, yesterday in Indianapolis, there for his practice as well, Carson Wentz said, uh, when asked about whether he's been vaccinated or not, uh, I choose not to discuss that. I think it's a personal choice, which is perfectly fine because it's true. It is a personal choice. But Carson Wentz is attempting to grab a hold of that lock with words. Uh, Nick Sirianni and Harry Roseman both said yesterday, grab the reins of the Indianapolis Colts. I'm guessing their coaching staff is not going to be as concealing of things as uh, Nick Sirianni is here. They'll go ahead and just name Carson Wentz the starter, but he's got to win the room. He's got to win over all his teammates since he's just gotten there. Do you think that handicaps him at all? Uh, I didn't see the exact cult numbers. He's probably got some guys who are thankful that he said that because they're choosing not to get vaccinated as well. But there are a whole bunch of guys that have been vaccinated, certainly more than 50 percent. We know every team in the NFL is more than 50 percent. So if you're going by the majority, he's playing against the majority in just this one little area of vaccinations. Is that what he should be doing as the new leader of the Colts? I think someone on the Colts PR team should have said, hey, did you hear what Dak Prescott said like four days ago? HIPAA? Like, come on, Carson, do you really need that? You know, you're, you're trying to prove yourself here. And I will say this. A lot of Colts players like him. DeForest Buckner is a big fan of Carson Wentz. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, same thing. Like, a lot of these guys love that Carson Wentz is there. And, you know, again, it's early. It's But I, I liked what I've been hearing so far about him. But I, I just thought that was something Carson Wentz probably should have and look, there's a wristband on there that tells you red or yellow if you're vaccinated or not. And I did not get to catch which one he was wearing, but players have to wear that. And I don't know. I just think Carson could have handled it, could have handled it better. I thought Jalen Hurts handled it way better than Carson Wentz did. Absolutely. Yep. I'm vaccinated. Um, you know, and everybody goes, Well, why is this a point of topic? Well, it's a point of topic because if the Indianapolis Colts lose a game in September and October because Carson Wentz got COVID and he's not vaccinated. Yeah, you're going to be mad. So, yes, it is a topic. And it's something that's going to be talked about early in camp. So, yeah, I, I just don't like how Carson handled it. And I got to read the entire Colts transcript of that news conference because that's something I got to do when we're done here today because I really want to hear everything Carson said yesterday. But from what it looked like outside of that, like, Carson Wentz had a pretty good first day in Indianapolis. And, you know, I just think we'd like to talk about, you know, the one thing that's going to be news and that's where Carson Wentz is vaccinated or not and it's a real shame that he put himself in that situation and you know hopefully Indianapolis media is a little lighter than Philly media I know Carson Wentz's wife loves the Midwest and he's a Midwestern guy himself so maybe he likes that easygoing lifestyle bit but I'll tell you what Stephen Holder uh the really good Colts B-Rider from the Athletic he grilled it Carson Wentz pretty good yesterday after that
I was going to say, uh, I know some guys from Indianapolis, some of the Colts uh, reporters. They're not wallflowers. They'll ask the tough questions and they'll get to what needs to be gotten to. It's just the mass numbers. As many people try and uh, get on that Eagles pass list to be down there and cover the team, they're not getting the same number of requests in Indianapolis. So it will be easier on Carson in Indy than it was here in Philadelphia. All right, last thing, I'm going to ask you to look into your uh, football prognostication crystal ball. We're talking about his uh, ability to lead and uh, how the media is going to handle him out there. At some point, it's all going to become white noise because Carson Wentz is going to have to play football. And then depending on how he plays, his attitude, his vaccination status, his teammates uh, appreciating him or not appreciate him will all become second uh, nature. How do you think Carson's going to play this year in Indianapolis? I think he'll be, I don't want to say great because I think this year has to be a prove it bounce back year for him. I think if he does the 2019 version of Carson Wentz, I think that'll be good enough for the Indianapolis to go to the playoffs because let's face it, the Texans are terrible. The Jaguars are going to be a lot better because of Trevor Lawrence, but they're not a seven, eight win team, anything like that. And we still don't know what Urban Meyer actually brings to the table here, but Really, their competition that AFC is Tennessee. The Colts were a playoff team with Phillip Rivers last year. I think if you get Phillip Rivers' production out of Carson Wentz, the Colts will take that because Jonathan Taylor is going to be a year better. They have the best offensive line in football, at least in my opinion, and they just paid Braden Smith a ton of money uh, proving that. You know, their right tackle. Uh, Carson Wentz is not going to get hit in Indianapolis. If he does, that's on Carson Wentz because – Phillip Rivers was barely touched last year. Right? He was only sacked 21 times. I think he was only hit 28 times That, I, I, in terms of quarterback hits. That's really, really good. So I'll look at that. Um, I, I think Carson will be fine there. It, my issue is what's going to happen when he has a bad game? Because he's going to have a bad game. He does. And how's he going to react to that? Is he going to be like, oh, here we go again? Or is Frank Wright going to be able to calm him down? Uh you know, because he's getting everything he wants here. He got Frank Reich as his head coach. He got out to the Midwest. He's away from Philadelphia. He's in a town where the fans all of a sudden love him again. And I think Carson Wentz needs to be loved. And right now he is. But what's going to happen when the Indianapolis Colts all of a sudden start, th- if they do, I don't think they're going to because they're a good football team, start three and five, and he's not playing off the snuff. What's, what's going to – and by the way, Jody, this is something that, doesn't get talked about much. The Colts wide receivers, they're deep, but there's no stud there. Like it it's TY Hilton's still a good player. He's not TY Hilton anymore. Paris Campbell's always hurt. Zach Pascal's solid. Michael Pittman can be really good. And I think that's what they're banking on in Indianapolis. Michael Pittman to kind of be like, I don't want to say Alshon Jeffrey, but be a younger version of him and kind of again take the reins as that stud wide receiver be that future number one. And, you know, Jack Doyle, Mo Alley Cox, they don't really move the needle for me that much. Mo Alley Cox had a good start the last year, but overall he gets injured a lot too. So yeah, it's pretty much, they are relying on Carson Wentz to kind of be 2017 Carson Wentz again, but I don't think he has to be that as long as he's a 2019 version and they make the playoffs. I think they'll be satisfied. Well, that's another thing you and I are going to disagree on. And since we're going to do a bunch of shows together, I uh, don't know about uh, during the season, but when we have you on as a guest, oh, I'll remind you that uh, I think you're overrating the Colts a little bit. I think you're overrating Antonio Gibson a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give you one more chance to look into the crystal ball and uh, give me a 
uh, suggestion of the future. Any significant story out of Eagles camp day two? We talked about all the storylines here from day number one. A lot of them are going to be the exact same again here in day number two, but maybe something will be different. You want to take a little guesstimate with us here as to something that may be different? Somebody who got on the field today who didn't get Jalen Rager or something along those lines. What do you think uh, we'll be talking about most tomorrow here on Birds 365? I think we will be talking about how Jonathan Gannon runs his defense because he is going to speak today and we're going to get him a lot of questions. So I think it's going to be Milton. And Fletcher Cox kind of leaked this. Milton Williams, their third round pick, played the edge. That's going to be something. How's Jannard Avery going to look at linebacker? How's Joe Osman going to look at linebacker? Um, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of stories in there. Who's going to line up in the slot? I know yesterday it was Devontae Max, but where's Zach McPherson going to be? Kayvon Wallace was with the first. There's going to be a lot of defensive storylines today, I feel. There you go. Much better than his Gibson take. Um, I agree wholeheartedly. You've been reminding about this all year. Oh, of course. You, this is what McMullen and I do. If you're going to do the show with me, you got to get used to it. I'm going to remember when you say something that I think you're wrong. Every and I'm going to. They're I'm like uh, through the bars at the hey, zoo. Antonio Gibson did. <laughs> I, I'm not afraid to poke the animal, uh, and I will continue to do that to you, Mr. Kerr, as well. Hey, uh, good show today. It was good to have you back again. We'll do it again tomorrow. Johnny Mack heading to Eagles camp. So Jeff Kerr and I will be here 22 hours from right now, right back with you on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.